Alright, it's ready, so. Hi, I'm Norman Radal, and I'm thrilled that Mike Brewer has passed the torch to me for this one very special 700th edition. So, stay tuned for this. Hi, I'm Norm Radal, and I'm here, I am here to help tease out human potential in the multifamily space with Mike Brewer. Nice! Very well done. Did I do okay? <laughs> Maybe you could have said it faster. I, I should have done faster. Well, <laughs> potential in the multifamily space. Well, Norman, I, I very much appreciate you doing this. I, I really do. I know I'm you. a big fan. I, I watch uh, almost every day. Thank you. I really appreciate probably that. Probably 400 of the, okay, 400 or so of the That's 699 episodes. But I will be watching this one. I will. Well, of course. You're the lead, right? You have to watch I'm this. the lead? I thought it was the supporting cast. No, you introduced okay. us, right? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So I don't know, Mike. I'm very uncomfortable, and I'm shy. So uh, please forgive me. Not shy. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, well, hey, Norman. I so our apartment hacker audience is all over the country, and uh, even though we have talked about your story before, and you certainly tell your story uh, both internally and externally here in the southeast and other areas of the country, our audience, not all of our audiences, heard your story, and I think it's just it. It really gave me goosebumps the first time I heard it. It is part and parcel, and probably the main driver why I came to work at Radcliffe. So I think it'd be great if you just lead by telling that story to our audience. Well, it's an important story, and uh, it's a story that um, that everyone in the property management business, either as a manager or someone working at a property, someone who works above property level, or if you're an owner, and especially to the owners because. Anyone who works at the property knows this intuitively. They may not say it, it may not be articulated, but you know it. Owners sometimes forget, and so please pay attention to this. I was born and raised in a public housing project in uh, East New York and Brooklyn. And in, uh, I'm not gonna say the decade, okay, the 60s. <laughs> and my uh, life was idyllic. I, I had a great time, I, was, uh, I, I had a normal childhood. But then times changed. The, the housing authority, you may be reading stories in New York about how bad the housing authority is now. Well, it started then. And you could tell because the quality of my life degraded in an in a obvious um, and in a really sad way because I, I became unsafe in my own home. And when property management withdrew uh, from doing their job and managing in a... Um, not, not reactively, but proactively. Uh, it allowed, remember, we're in a poor neighborhood, it allowed criminal elements to sort of just, and gangs to sort of just come out of nowhere to fill that void. And I was beaten up. Um, I had to, I used to put the dollar, 50 cents for a dollar for my lunch money in my sock. I hope criminals aren't paying attention to this. <laughs> and uh, then I would put like a nickel and three pennies in my pocket because almost every day while I walked to school, I was shaken down. And they would push me and they, would, they wanted to hear the jingle of money. And so they always went for the eight cents. And I lost eight cents. But never once did they look at my sock. Yeah. Um, and I, every, almost every day, I can't say this is, this is not an aberration, this was not a once in a while or an anecdote. This was my life. And I said then that, I realized then that property management was one of the three legs holding up the stool of society. You had education system, the criminal justice system, and property management. And property management's there every single day, every single night. The police and education are not. 
So in a way, I think we're the strongest, or sadly in my case, weakest leg that would make the stool of society um, wobble and perhaps even fall. And I said, if I ever had the chance when I was older that I would, and I was in a position to make a mark uh, in property management, that I would never let this happen to another child. That if we had a property, we can't make it what it's not, but we're going to make it clean, we're going to make it safe, and no child will suffer like I did uh, living in a community uh, under my watch. And that's uh, really what's driven me um, these many years here at Radco. So, so speaking of that, it's a nice segue into the, you're, you're the CEO and the founder of the Radco Companies that is celebrating 25th anniversary this year, 25 years in this space. Um, what do you think has been uh, your sort of owning your own business? How has that furthered the vision of what you just described? How has that, that platform given you, what has it given you in the, in the space? Well, you know, first of all, um, I want to go back to my last question and say that and maybe this dovetails into this, that this industry has been mired in, uh, in the 80s for 30, 40 years now. Sure. And we just have not seen the, the change that has been required. It's starting to happen now, and we're pushing that along mm -hmm. even quicker here at Radco. But know this, that even with um, uh, the, um, um, the lack of change, that what you're doing on the ground is important. And that's what I want you to know. You're not. You may not have been paid well. The industry was, you know, uh, poorly compensated its people until recently. And um, and how do you go home? You have all your challenges and have to make ends meet. But know this: you're doing something really important for many, many people. So now here, when I come to Radco, I looked at. Uh, we started getting into the Class B multifamily and the value of multifamily space, and I started looking at the budgets third-party management companies would give me, and I go, that's all it is for a manager? That's all you're paying? Uh, and I, I said, well, you know, they're, they're the president of a $30 million company. They have to be a, a, a priest. They have to be a, um, a social worker. They have to be a psychologist. They have to be a manager of people. Um, they have to be yelled at in a punching bag. I mean, there's so many things that they are. And, you, and the poultry, I don't have to tell you the amounts. I, I just couldn't believe it. So I just looked at that. Then I looked at the training and talking to a lot of the people in, uh, working on the properties. I found out they had none. They fell into their positions because they didn't have a job. Maybe they had a couple of webinars, um, but otherwise it was sink or swim. So there were no tools. There was nothing to help them do good. People who had, why were you there? You're there for one reason. Um, because you had the passion to do it. And, um, and yet, there was no education, there was no support, there were no tools. When I found out how many properties a regional manager had, you know, 12, 13, 14, how can they really render assistance? So it became a blame game and, and you know, putting out fires rather than being proactive and trying to, you know, move the needle and, and affect people's lives in a positive way and add value for the owners. Um, so everything about it just seemed wrong to me. And I went about wanting to change everything. And I think um, um, I made some successes early, but I had a lot of failures because you can't change a whole industry by you know, going like this. <laughs> and so as a owner, not just as a CEO, but as an owner, uh, I could keep pushing and pushing and pushing to get answers and to get change affected um, even when many of the people who worked for us who came up from that 80s 
you know, uh, industry sort of mindset um, would resist a lot of these changes, not because they were being um, disrespectful or because they were, uh, you know, to want, want, you know, not believing what we were trying to do, but they didn't think it could be done. It just was never done that way. So as that owner, we kept pushing and pushing. And you and I have been there before, Mike, and he can t- we can tell stories, and maybe next time we'll tell some of our stories. But we've really come up with a whole list of tools to nearly eliminate crime at some of our worst crime-ridden properties. I mean, seriously. And it requires money, absolutely. But it requires the thoughtful use of money. With a demonstrable return on the investment and the reduction of crime, it requires people on property to believe that it could be done, um, and and it requires, uh, and this is the toughest one, requires coordination with local authorities. So sometimes they don't believe it, and, and they're frustrated themselves, and so they're not necessarily the best partners. But we have changed um, uh, really communities radically. We're looking right now. Um, the audience can't see, but we're looking right now at Ashford 75, one of our properties, which is right next to the Atlanta Braves Stadium and the Battery uh, Development. When we bought that property, 90% of the crime in the city of Smyrna, 90% occurred in or from people living in our property. 90%. And today, we're not even on the radar of a percentage and we've gotten accolades from the city. We've changed not just the 419 families that live with us, we've not only changed their lives and made it safer and cleaner for their kids to go out and play, and nobody has to worry about that, but we changed an entire neighborhood, even a city, a uh, 60,000-person city. We, say, uh, we, we, uh, we, we, we dramatically improved the quality of life there, but we had to make the investment and we had to care. But we've tried to do this. Sometimes we take that rapid in the bow and serve it to uh, some of our folks at other properties, and because they just don't believe it, they implement it in a haphazard way. True. And so um, I think at other companies, you thought you did your job when you handed the, here's, here's the way to do it, and you, here's the pocket of money, go do it, and it doesn't get done. And that's so frustrating, but because we care, and because we know um, how important it is to change the lives and protect the lives of people who live with us. My God, this is not, we're not selling uh, widgets here. Right. We're selling people their homes. That's right. Something I think our owners forget, but we, on the property level, do not. We live it with every day. That um, I drove that home to get that, that property to become safe and clean. And that's in Houston. And, and Mike, uh, you, you know how we dramatically changed that. Uh, uh, that property, that community, we're the safest community That's in right. the entire in the entire uh, area, and uh, people are flocking to us now. That's right. Because we offer that safety that others don't, and so uh, there's a financial benefit to it ultimately. Uh, but you can't put dollars and cents on it when it comes to people's lives. No. And so that's what, as an owner of the company, um, uh, it makes me proud to be able to do that. And I don't know if I come into a company that didn't have that mindset and I and I wouldn't have been able to change and I wanted to drive that home I would have gotten I think more frustrated and maybe yeah. not as effective so um, I think hopefully that was 
see how short I am? I'm so just to keep it so narrow, focused, simple. I'm just a man. I get all confused. And there there are no up. economy of words with <laughs> no, that's, no. no. But that's okay. Yeah. We, we love him for that because I think that he articulates uh, what I believe to be sort of underlying fundamental issues, not only on the like team member execution side, but even as the the industry and the way we've been encumbered by getting in the way of ourselves many, many times and stuck in sort of archaic routines and sacred cows and legacy stuff. And, you know, you're, you're the first owner, and I, I don't say this just because you, you write my paycheck, but the first owner that I've ever run into that when you say the word care, you deeply, deeply, deeply care about the industry at large, but the people that sort of underpin that effort. And it, you can feel it. It exudes from you. You can feel it. You can see it in your actions. And it's it's really awesome to, to work with and for you. So um, one last thing. So this is a show. About is this really the last thing? Because I have a feeling that you're right. There's two uh, things. <laughs> <laughs> the um, next to last thing. Next thing. So, this is a show about teasing out human potential. Um, so we try to do that through the short videos that we do every day, just a little thing to think mm -hmm. about. I'm just wondering uh, if you could tell our audience when you think about the team members in your organization that are that are highly successful. What are the traits that they possess that you see as an owner that you might be able to share with our audience, um, such that they may employ those same things or try to go out and maybe. Uh, learn how to do those things so that they can be successful in yeah. their own efforts. So first about the caring thing, you know, there's a, a new, um, there's a uh, uh, ad campaign for Ford Motor Company where, um, you know, they used to ha just say it's built Ford tough, right? But this year they changed, they modified it and they said it's built Ford proud, that they're proud of the trucks and cars that they built. Mm -hmm. And they're not building Mercedes. They're not building Rolls Royces, and they do not pretend to be. Mm -hmm. But they're building a um, a good car or truck um, that's American-made um, and that offers uh, a, a lot for its cost. It's a great value. Sure. And so they're proud of that. And um, so they're not selling Mercedes. Our apartments are not the Mercedes of the industry, sure. by and large. But they're probably the best of class B's, but they're not the best of, uh, um, but we're proud of it, right? Just because sure. they're the best of what, uh, of, for the value we're offering. And uh, so um, caring to do that is, uh, you know, really important. And we'll go into your question. So the question is, how do we tease out human potential in the, did I do that well? You did. You did. Uh, in uh, the multifamily space. And, and the answer is this. Most of you are in this business are in this business by accident. You didn't grow up and say, Mommy, Daddy, when I grow up, I want to be the manager of a Class B apartment complex. I've never heard anyone say that, okay? <laughs> Maybe it was me, but no, uh, no one else. And, um, and uh, you didn't go to career day in elementary school, and the firemen came in, the policemen came in, and did a manager of a Class B apartment complex come in? No. Okay, so why are you in this business? Because you didn't grow up thinking about it. You know, your parents didn't instill in you, I can't wait till you got to, you know, become a manager of a Class B apartment complex. How did you get here? You needed a job. You walked into maybe you get a delay in rent because you didn't have money and you saw this an empty chair in the leasing office and, and uh, they said, hey, would you like a job? You can pay your rent. We'll give you a discount. Here you go. That's how you got into the business, right? So you didn't go to school for it. 
you weren't formally trained, you don't have an MBA in property management, you don't have a BA in property, you didn't go to a technical training school for it. You may have gotten a webinar or two, you may have had one little class uh, on, on Yardi or whatever your operating software was, and if anyone really knows Yardi, even after that, please come over here and teach me. So, so uh, um, you know, I, li I like to live in the 80s. It's retro, it's cute, it's wonderful. I know what happens after that, so let's go back to the 80s and we'll work on Yardi. But, that is, I hope then that Mr. Yardi doesn't want to <laughs> no, you you Anyway, anyway, so so you're in this business, right? And so you got a job and you're getting doing the job. From that, you can get another job. I mean, the economy's strong. You could have left to go to another industry. You stayed. So why did you stay when you weren't trained, you aren't trained, you, um, you aren't paid well or well enough until maybe recently, uh, or if you work for ADCO, and so, what? Uh, why are you there? Because you have passion for it. That's you right. recognize what I recognized growing up, that you know you're affecting people's lives. And you love the feeling of having to help someone with their problem, and that they have gone on and you made their day. Come on. That's the only reason you're in, you have the passion. So, how do you tease out um, human potential from someone who has that passion? You do the right thing. It's the easy. This is not... Listen, Mike, this is not like rocket science. You know, I didn't, I didn't design the space shuttle, or you know, I'm not working on Elon Musk's, you know, new rocket system. I'm not, not doing that. Give people the tools. <laughs> Give them the tools they need to be successful. Give them a mission to be successful at. As we just discussed, you know, the mission is building better living for people who live in your community, making it safe, making it clean, making them happy to come home and say. You know, this is my, my home. And uh, so if you've got that mission and the company drives that mission home and you believe that mission is real, and in Radco it is, now I need to give you the tools to implement that mission. Whatever it is, is it our safety protocols? Uh, is it our um, uh, amenity packages? Uh, is it new technologies uh, for package delivery systems? Whatever it is that you need, um, uh, in, including training, we're going to do. Radco, for example, um, has started a school. It's called the LEAD program. I'm not uh, really, it's Radco University. We are, we took our first class, we'll graduate in like June, That's I think, right? right? Correct. And we took, um, it's like, you know, kids right out of college who had the passion. They have a passion to do something and reach for the brass ring, but they didn't know for what. Yeah. And so, we took that passion, they may have been psychology majors or sociology majors or marketing majors, but they didn't have a career path. We brought them in, we made them, we're making them professional managers because they're spending 18 months, 18 months, that's a master's degree, half in the classroom, and we have some extraordinary teachers, including that's Mike, um, and half in the field. And we've trained first a series of what we call training managers who have all different points of view, do things differently. Why? Because they're all trained on their own in different ways, in different communities. So you have all these different ways to look at issues. And so they've been floating between all those managers, learning from all of them, and they're all wonderful. They're all fantastic. Uh, and so they're spending half the time in the field at every job, from maintenance to rent collection to leasing to assistant managing, whatever. And then in 18 months, if uh, they're up to the test, they graduate really with a master's degree from Radcliffe University. Well, that's the tools. We're providing education, experience, uh, and, uh, and really 
um, driving home to them in a real palpable way um, the mission, which is to care and to improve people's lives. So we're doing that. The third thing is we need to compensate people. We need to compensate them in a, in a way that is meaningful. That doesn't just, don't go running and say that means money. Oh yeah, I gotta go to a raise. Don't go call your boss just for a raise. Though that's important. It's very important. Um, but it's also about giving uh, uh, people recognition for the work that they are doing so that they know that when they're executing on the mission and people's lives are improved, that we notice it, we care about it, and we reward it by acknowledging it. And so uh, I want my employees, our employees, to go home every night and when asked by their children or asked by their spouse, you know, what did you do at work today, daddy or mommy, they can turn to them, smile and say, today I did good. And that's what we need to do to tease out human potential <laughs> in the multifamily space. I like that in cap. That's wonderful. <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a fan. I watch this. I, I'm, I'm learning from the master. Well, I, well, that's a stretch, but thank you. Uh, I, you know, you, you're, you're absolutely right. I think, I think it's, when I think about compensation, all the studies I read about compensation, frankly, without fail, money is not at the top. It's somewhere down around five, six, or seven. And it, it really is that wanting to be part of something bigger than self, wanting to be part of mission or vision. And, and then how do I fit into that and feel fulfilled by that so that when I go home at night, I don't kick the dog, right? I, I get to say to my... You pulled me out of my office today. I'm making calls to our managers. We have 55 properties in eight states and 12 mm -hmm. cities. And I'm calling many. I can't call everyone every month. I do visit them periodically. Everyone gets to meet yeah. me. And, and, I, and I know every manager and maintenance supervisor by name. Mm -hmm. But uh, what I call them to say, hey, what a great job you did last month. Hey, I noticed this. What are you doing differently? Tell me what you're doing. Tell me what your issues are. How can I help you? And how can we help you? And sometimes they want to get me off the phone so fast, they're so scared, you know, it's like, great. But, uh, but then I hear from the regionals and uh, from, uh, from you, Mike, that, oh my God, you really made their day at this property or that property. And people just went home saying, thank you, know, I'm so glad that what I do is recognized. And so it's the little things. I mean, I, 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 find I can't believe that people can go into this business and not care about people. That's right. I just can't believe it. That's right. You know, I, I think you know. I read a book one time, and the title was "Everything I Need I'm to Know." Yeah, just one book, one book, one time. Okay. Yes, don't make it a habit. You may learn. You know, yeah, might be smarter than me. <laughs> the, the title of the book was "Everything I, Everything You Need to Know You Learned in Kindergarten." Really, in the oh yeah, sure. The premise of the book was "Please and Thank You" and mm -hmm. those sorts of things. How to play in the sandbox, share your toys, and that kind of stuff. So, and it, it, it is that. It's mind-boggling that in the essence, at the essence of our business, it's just simply that, like, be kind, be nice, say please, say thank you, and those sorts of things. So, because I talked about a book, and because many of the... There it is. The I opened my mouth. I opened my mouth. I, I want to know... I set myself up. Yes, you did. Readers, or audience, or uh, viewers, rather, uh, they want to know... Yes. ...what you're reading currently, or and or a book that what is I'm really reading? impacted... Reading. Reading. Yeah, okay. eating, yeah. I'd rather talk about what I'm eating. <laughs> well, actually, it's nothing. It would be a short conversation. Let's uh, talk about what I'm reading. Well, what are you reading? And why. Currently and why, yeah. So generally, I'd say 90% of the books I read are, um, are nonfiction. So they are either biographies or the discussions about narrations about historical events or 
broad, uh, um, you know, themes of the movement of history, like Harari's recent book, which is just extraordinary. Actually, he's on a, I can't wait to start his second book. Or uh, uh, Jared Diamond, who wrote Guns, Germs, and Steel, and putting all the sciences and all the history together to see the big picture of what's happening on this planet and has happened and what could happen. Uh, I live for that stuff. I know everybody's asleep already with that. <laughs> I'm reading a new book, and I'm sorry I can't tell you the exact name, but I will tell you the name that's the, the, in the big print on the cover. It's Churchill, Winston Churchill. It's mm. the newest biography of Winston Churchill. Now, I've probably read five different biographies of him, some about the Boer War, some about World War I, some about his early childhood, a couple of complete uh, works. This one is over a 1,000 pages. It's absolutely extraordinary, well-written, um, and uh, what's, um, what is really remarkable about it, and about him, about him, he had the passion from day one. He had the passion as a little boy because his father ignored him and his mother, you know, abandoned him, basically. He loved them, and he, he said, I'm going to, you know, I've got this passion to be great, so maybe they'll recognize me. And so he always had this passion. And, and so he knew where he wanted to go. He wanted to be prime minister from uh, a teenager. And so everything he did, he did to get to become prime minister. And what's fascinating, and again, I've seen it before, but it's really drive, driven at home now, is how many mistakes he made. Even though he was brilliant, even though he was incredibly well-spoken from early on, even though um, he went to the best schools that uh, England could uh, offer, even though he was an aristocrat and had entry into everything that most people would never have, that he, he screwed it up time and time and time again. I mean, he became prime minister pretty late in life, right? And only at uh, when everyone else like failed and re resigned, right? So, right? so there was no choice. I mean, the, the, the king, the last thing he ever wanted was to appoint Winston Churchill. He hated him, you know? So, so um, why, why do I say this? Because in my life, um, I've had many failures, and uh, and uh, and I look back and um, now um, with a lot of thoughtfulness as I've been doing my estate planning about what I did right, what I did wrong. The list of what I did wrong is much longer than what I did right. But what uh, I realized is I learned at each stage. I learned from this mistake. Sometimes I made a mistake at, at twice, and I said I'm not going to make it a third time. And so, uh, by the way, that's my. That shaking is me hitting the table. I'm sorry about that. I'm always uh, excited. I am passionate. So, um, uh, so I, I realized that without those mistakes, I wish I did this when I was in my 30s. I really do. Um, I would have failed uh, because it's what I know now. I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. And and so even though I had the passion and I was well educated, um, uh, that um, without that experience, without having screwed up. You can't be a better person, and so um, uh, this is the right time for me because all the knowledge, and experience I have, combined with my training and my passion, has brought me here today. Just like I thought I'm Winston Churchill, but Winston Churchill had the same thing, right? He probably screwed up even more and upset more people um, uh, day in and day out, but it all built up a, a, a wealth of experience at which became um, wisdom that allowed him to be the great man he was in World War II uh, and basically saving uh, the world as we know it. So, um, so great book. Sorry I don't have the full title, 
But thousand page Churchill book, there's like only one of them in the bookstore, so uh, <laughs> right. guys, they'll find takes it. Takes up a whole show. That's it. <laughs> well, excellent. Well, Norman, I very much appreciate you taking the time to do this. I know you're a very busy man. Uh, the idea that you take out 20 or 30 minutes to do this for us is just, um, it's awesome. Um, and I know the viewers will appreciate it. I really enjoyed it. I enjoy Apartment Hacker, and I have a challenge to your audience. Okay, okay. excellent. Luke Mills. I am. I thought I'd be the inaugural. I am the <laughs> second guest you've had on the show. 700 episodes. By the way, 700. That's incredible, really. Hats off to you. Thank you. But 700, I'm the second. I'm not the first. And I understand that Luke Mills, who's absolutely wonderful, uh, <laughs> but not that wonderful Luke, um, <laughs> that Luke Mills, uh, was the uh, his interview was the highest rated apartment hacker of all time. Is that true? True statement. Okay. True Let's statement. blow that away. Okay, yes. this is the 700th yes. episode. Share it up. This is important. We're really teasing out you and potentially. <laughs> and I want this to, I want to double. Luke's Ooh. viewership, okay? Nice. I want to double. Okay. So let's, uh, let's uh, start right now. That's my challenge. Thank you for what you do, seriously. Uh, thank you for watching Apartment Hacker. Mike's an incredible leader, and uh, he inspires me every day. But you do, too, because our industry is vitally important uh, for the running of our country, frankly. I and mean, there's no understatement there. I know it. Um, the world should know it. You know it. And what you do is really important, so thank you very much. Thank you, Norm.